Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Katie G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, August 13th, 2014. Today we are reading from the big book Alcoholics Anonymous and we are at the top of page 118 with the first paragraph beginning with you and your husband. Today's readers are the 12 steps of OA is Lois. The 12 Traditions of OA is Cassandra H. And our readers of the text are Deb W., Michelle H., and Penny C. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, August 12, 2014, is 6746. That is 6746. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous, is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lois to please read the 12 steps of OA. Lois? Uh, Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. I am Lois, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory of ourselves and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. And I will now ask Cassandra H. to please read the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, visionaries. 
This is Cassandra H., a grateful recovering compulsive overeater in Georgia. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group are never endorsed, financed, or lend the OA name to an any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Cassandra. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. The meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book Alcoholics Anonymous at the top of page 118, beginning with the sentence, you and your husband. And Dev W., we'd like to ask to get you to get us started, please.
Chad W. Please press star one so that we can hear you. Katie, this is Debbie. Can you hear me? I I can hear you now. Yep. Okay, Deb W. Uh, Recovered compulsive eater, Oklahoma. Good morning, everyone. You and your husband will find that you can dispose of serious problems easier than you can the trivial ones. Next time you and he have a heated discussion, no matter what the subject. It should be the privilege of either to smile and say, this is getting serious. I'm sorry, I got disturbed. Let's talk about it later. If your husband is trying to live on a spiritual basis, he will also be doing everything in his power to avoid disagreement or contention. Your husband knows he owes you more than sobriety. He wants to make good. Yet you must not expect too much. His ways of thinking and doing are habits of years. Patience, tolerance, understanding, and love are the watchwords. Show him these things in yourself, and they will be reflected back to you from him. Live and let live is the rule. If you both show a willingness to remedy your own defects, there will be little need to criticize each other. We women carry with us a picture of the ideal man, the sort of chap we would like our husbands to be. It is the most natural thing in the world, once his liquor problem is solved, to feel that he will now measure up to that cherished vision. The chances are he will not, for like yourself, he is just beginning his development. Be patient. Another feeling we are very likely to entertain is one of resentment that love and loyalty could not cure our husbands of alcoholism. We do not like the thought that the contents of a book or the work of another alcoholic has accomplished in a few weeks, that for which we struggle for years. At such moments, we forget that alcoholism is an illness over which we could not possibly have had any power. Your husband will be the first to say, it was your devotion and care which brought him to the point where he could have a spiritual experience. Without you, he would have gone to pieces long ago. When resentment thoughts come, try to pause and count your blessings. After all, your family is reunited. Alcohol is no longer a problem, and you and your husband are working together toward an undreamed of future. Still another difficulty is that you may become jealous of the attention he bestows on other people, especially alcoholics. You have been starving for his companionship, yet he spends long hours helping other men and their families. You feel he should now be yours. The fact is he should work with other people to maintain his own sobriety. Sometimes he will be so interested that he becomes really neglectful. Your house is filled with strangers. You may not like some of them. He gets stirred up about their troubles, but not at all about yours. It will do little good if you point out and urge more attention for yourself. We find it a real mistake to dampen his enthusiasm for alcoholic work. You should join in his efforts as much as you possibly can. We suggest that you direct some of your thoughts some of your thoughts to the wives of his new alcoholic friends. They need the counsel and the love of a woman who has gone through what you have. Wow. <clears throat> These pages 
are filled with so much wisdom. And it's just amazing because as I read them, I go in and out. I think of me and I think of my husband. I think of the addict who is me and I think of the person who lived with this addict. I think of his problems and I think of me who lived with his problems over the years. But here today and in this program, I'm here to work on me. I'm here to work on the relationship between God and I. This is the first and the foremost important thing so that I can have that connection with God so that he can shine a light on the defects that I carry and make them well through the steps. Um, the, the area that I want to hone in on so much, but I know many will share about all of the areas, but um, I wanted to hone in on the part that says uh, patience, tolerance, understanding, and love are the watchwords. Show him these things in yourself, and they will be reflected back to you from him. And this is the part that I could not figure out for so many years. So once again, I will share the many, many years that I carried a resentment. And if people listening cannot believe that that was possible for me to carry that resentment toward my husband, toward the man that I lived with for all these years, for his rage and anger, after it was over for 15 to 20 years, I'm here to tell you it is true. So when I finally realized that the problem was in me and that it was affecting the relationship between yes. you, if you could please press star one to unmute your phone, we can't hear you. Hear me? Can you hear me now? Katie, I'm able to Deb, hear Deb. Are you still with us? Katie, Katie, okay, we're able to hear Deb. Katie, you can hear Deb. Uh, Katie, I don't know where I left off. And I'm just gonna. But I was wanting to say that I wanted Deb to. Deb W, Deb W, I can hear you. I think it might be something wrong with Katie's phone. Me too. Oh. I heard everything. Oh, great, 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 great. Okay. Um, so continue, Deb W, and we'll get some word to Katie and figure out what's going on there. Sure, okay. Can you you can't hear me, right? Yes, can yeah, we this heard is you Lawrence, I can hear you. Okay. So when hang I on, hang on folks, hang on folks. Let me help okay. with this with this. Deb, you have not been cut off. Let's work with Katie if you want to continue. Sure. Okay. Sure. Continue, Deb. Okay. So when I uh think of this par sentence that says, Show him these things in yourself they will be reflected back to you from him. Um, living with him all these years with this resentment, with this inability to forgive him, with this constant prayer to God that please make it better, please make us better, but yet not seeing that I had to do the work in me so that he could see the difference in me and this sentence says it so clearly, show him these things in yourself. Show that I really mean that I'm sorry for the way that I have been. Show that I really mean that I'm not the same person that will hurt you, that will be resentful toward you. 
show me show that I am really trying to have a better relationship, trying to be a different person, trying to be a spiritual living on a spiritual path that God would have me live on. You know, at some point in this step work, as we turn the corner on our inventory, it starts looking at our defects. It starts shining a light in spite of what the person may have done to me. It's time for me to put away all the self-centeredness, the selfishness, the dishonesty that is in me. It has absolutely nothing to do with this other person, what we're getting ready to look at. And God is shining the light on me and my uh, my defects. Well, the deal of it is until he could believe that I am a different person, that I wanted to live a different life, then he still responded as though I were still beating him up, as though I were still blaming him. And and he would back up, and all he could see is the 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 uh, unhappiness in my eyes toward him. But once, and it says, be patient and tolerant. Once he could see me continue to come uh, and to back away from an argument, to back away from uh, blaming, to back away from wanting to be the one that was right all the time, to want to get the last word in, then he could see that I was a different person, and he responded to me in a different way. And I think I shared the other day that I was feeling down the other day, and, you know, this man who would run from me when I come toward him with something, I'd say, I need to talk about this. Well, immediately he would shut down. Well, this man came and he pulled me out of my my sadness, out of my isolation, and he said, you are going to come and set. I want you to know I love you. I want you to know that you have been there for me. You have made the most money over the years. You have been the woman that I... Where in the world did this man come from? <laughs> he came from a position of feeling like I am genuine, that I truly want to be different. I truly don't want to hold a hostage any longer. I truly want to see us grow. And in order to get that point, I would have to be willing to sacrifice the self-centeredness in myself to hold close to a power greater than me. So there's so much more than just the addiction that I will lay down. You know, I will lay down the old behaviors. I will say enough is enough. And so I know I've gone on and on, but this 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 to the wives holds so much. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Deb. And who would like to comment for three minutes this morning on what was read? Sheila. This is Larry. Paula. Okay, so hang on a second. I heard Sheila, Larry, and Paula. Why don't we get started with those three? Sheila, please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, Sheila H. from New York, recovering a day at a time. Thank you so much for your service. Boy, this particular two pages is just like jumping and slapping me from one cheek to the next um, from the other side of Al-Anon and now in OA. Um, yeah, I thought because I hung in there, I was a good girl, and I went through so much. Boy, did you owe me. I really thought that. 
that he owed me everything for all that I had endured. And I kept him and family members hostage for years. Even after doing a four-step several times in the other program, and not until this recent time when I did it in this OA that I was able to let that those old resentments go, and he, he doesn't owe me anything, you know, because I really was using that like a whip. Um, and holding people hostage, you know. Um, the one thing I wanted to also talk about is about the difficulties when it comes to sharing, sharing me, because I have was so relieved to find that I wasn't alone in my pain in my other program that I was just totally absorbed with, with Al-Anon doing everything. And even with OA, um, you know, on the phone all the time and had to find balance, that it's okay to be in recovery, it's okay to, um, to, to be of service, but there's balance with service because I can, I can obsess almost over anything and even doing service. And it was like a rude awakening when he said, to, when he brought it to my attention, you know, the time that I was spending and the hours that I was on the phone, really pushing him out again and bringing up his resentment. So grateful that we can sit down as a couple and talk about, okay, you know, I hear what you're saying, and we had agreed to treat each other with dignity, respect, and love, and with that we keep trying every day. But these two pages was like so filled with so much. I could keep talking, but I want to hear what everyone else has to say. But I remember what I wanted to share the most was that it's balanced even in recovery and that the, our loved ones don't owe us anything after they get recovered, although I felt it for many, many years. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sheila. And we'll continue our sharing with Larry. Please go ahead. Hey, KG. Thanks so much for your service. Um, Larry, uh, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Yeah, there's a lot of lot of good information here to the wives, to the to the to the spouse. Um, I guess I'll, I'll zero in on. I mean, you know, there's the, the part here where it, it, it talks about another feeling we're we're very likely to entertain is one of resentment that love and loyalty could not cure our husbands of alcoholism. You know, my my first wife, one of two, um, we spent you know years together trying to work together there was a lot of love and loyalty coming you know from her I was incapable of um, being able to um, I I really uh, tried my best Um, I had good intent but this disease um, it was many years before I even understood what I was dealing with Um, what I was dealing with was far more powerful than me but um, but she showed a tremendous amount of loyalty and love and we were actually in therapy um, prior to even getting married, you know. So she, in her good sense, identified that there were some issues here, but she didn't understand them either. I mean, um, how could she? You know, this was a power greater than us, and we didn't understand it. Um, but, you know, it, then it says, you know, we do not like the thought that the contents of a book or the work of another alcoholic has accomplished in a few weeks that for which we struggled for years, and it makes me, me think of this, the struggle that we had for years. At such moments, we forget that alcoholism is an illness over which we could not possibly have any power. Um, and she did, you know, as I mentioned, uh, there was a lot of devotion and care, um, you know, and, um, and and it's funny, you know, again, um, 
years later in, in, in having had a spiritual awakening and, and working through step nine and making the amends, I could finally, um, God had opened my eyes and given me clarity so that when I sat down with her with sincerity, I could let her know um, just exactly, you know, what was going on and, um, and make those amends and, um, and, and, and then, you know, find out what I could do. Now, one of the, one of the things for her was, was, you know, um, just the living amends that I could be that man that I am now, that I seem to be now for her, her daughter, you know, my daughter. And, uh, and I've, and I've tried to fulfill that um, since that time. And by God's grace, I've been able to do that. You know, it reminds me, um, I'll wrap up and say that when Bill, you know, when Abby came to Bill at the kitchen table and Bill had some time to contemplate it on page 11, he said, you know, but my friend sat before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. And that's what these steps have done for me, from the scrap heap to a life, you know, that I couldn't even imagine. So I'm very grateful. Thank God for Alcoholics Anonymous. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry. And we'll continue our sharing with Paula. Paula, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader, and thank you, Katie. Um, I'm, feeling, I'm sensing a little echo. I don't know if it's being heard. But I want to just go into this line that goes along with another line, very short, matter of fact, and the other line also, but life-changing. Love and tolerance of others is our code. And now I come here on page 118. Live and let live is the rule. So we have a code and we have a rule. Live and let live is the rule. If you both show a willingness to remedy your own defects, I can't take medicine for you and you will be better, nor can you for me. Willingness is what I bring to remedy my own defects. There will be little need to criticize each other. Finally, and I would like to end with because I want to hear all the the beautiful messages and sharings that have been going on today. But on 119, I'm going to scoot down to what was read. We suggest, oh, a suggestion, you say, that you direct, there it is, some of your thought to the wives of his new alcoholic friends. There's the multiplying. First, the subtraction. And then the multiplying. They need the counsel and love of a woman who has gone through what you have. Whatever end you're on, whatever side of the coin, the need for each other and the need for give, giving is where recovery and being recovered stays. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula, and this is Katie G, and I'm just going to take a quick minute, and I just want to say I'm so grateful for um, being on the line and being recovered today from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, and to be reading this chapter to wives, which gives us um, very clear instructions and, most importantly, principles on how we are meant to live our lives. So 
today I identify as recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. The miracle is I don't want food and I don't eat it, and um, I walk around a free woman, um, and God gave me brains to use to to live in this world, but I I need a lot of help, and um, I love the beauty of the help we've been given. So what are watchwords? Well, watchwords are my core aims or beliefs. So patience and tolerance. And tolerance, I looked it up in the book, it means willingness to accept. Like I thought tolerance was like, oh, I'll tolerate you. I'll be smugly superior. And understanding, so forgiving. And, um, you know, I love how it says we, we women carry us with us a picture of the ideal man. I'm in a relationship, and man, does that ideal man get in the way you know, like I don't necessarily demonstrate the willingness to accept tolerance and understanding of who this person is. And what's been wonderful is I have the tools and the steps today to apply to this relationship. So when he told me, gee, you know, Katie 20 questions is coming up, when he said I'm asking a lot of questions in the relationship, I didn't have to, I didn't have to fight. You know, I have these watchwords, patience, tolerance, understanding, and love. And I paused and I thought, Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that this man is willing to give me feedback on how I can do things differently. Um, As opposed to having expectations of who he is, how about I focus on how I'm behaving? And um, I want to bring us over to jealousy. I may become jealous. Well, I get jealous too. I get, and um, one of the practices that I'm engaging in right now with this concept is to um, get an idea of the opposite. What is the opposite of jealousy? Confident, content, satisfied, trusting, and unresentful. Can I pause? Can I meditate on that? As opposed to focusing on you're not giving me what I need, how about going to God? How about remembering, A, I'm a compulsive overeater, cannot manage my own life, and B, that no human power, and see that God can and will if he is sought. Um, and I love how it says, you know, it will be a little good for you to point out and urge what he, what, that I need more attention, well, what am I giving to this relationship? Who am I being in this relationship? And most importantly, the reminder, when resentful thoughts come, to try to pause and count your blessings. Even if I'm not spewing my resentment all over this man in a verbal way, if I'm thinking maliciously, whatever it is, resentment is the number one offender, and ultimately eating is going to be a step up from how I feel about myself. So what a privilege to learn more about these amazing principles that we're being given to live actively in our lives every day. Um, And I want to welcome uh, additional sharing for three minutes on what was read. Judy F. Leah. Okay. I have Katie. Oh, excuse me. I did it again. Judy F. and Leah. Judy, we'll start with you, please. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, visionaries. This is Judy F., compulsive overeater recovered in Massachusetts. Um, I wanted to look at uh, the first paragraph. Um, Next time you would he have a heated discussion, no matter what the subject, it should be the privilege of either to smile and say, this is getting serious, I'm sorry I got disturbed, let's talk about it later. If your husband is trying to live on a spiritual basis, he will also be doing everything in his power to avoid disagreement or contention. And it just reminds me again that, um, you know, we learn in step 10 that we have ceased fighting anything or anyone. And um, on page 85, we are not fighting it. 
neither are we avoiding temptation and as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So um, that is what I keep needing to do is that there's no fighting or argument or debating. And, and I find with, with my husband, um, you know, after 9 o'clock that we don't bring up anything that we could have an argument because we're just too tired. But And we have, when things got heated up, we just say, you know what, now's not the time. Let's take some time with it. Because it, it, it's just not useful. Um, there's no debate. Um, and that's not how I, you know, how I was taught and how I can be because I can't afford fighting anyone um, and I can't afford resentment. And if I'm to live on a spiritual basis, that's um, not not going to help and it's on acceptance of others and to look at my side of the street. And then um, it also gives in these paragraphs, you know, just as it has love and tolerance as our code for the alcoholic, for the compulsive overeater, the same with the wife. And it's, um, this is a family disease and the solution is the same. Patience, tolerance, understanding, and love are the watchwords and um, helping others um, and counting our blessings. You know, when resentful comes up, try to pause. You know, we learn that pause in step 11, the same with to the wife. So these principles are to live by. I didn't have, I had um, more than a food problem. I had a living problem. And those around me, um, I I stirred up their, their defects. So when I get right with God um, and spirit, live on a spiritual basis, those around me um, can live on a spiritual basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy and Leah. Thanks so much, Katie G., for your service. Uh, next time you and he have a heated discussion, no matter what the subject, it should be the privilege of either smile and say, this is getting serious, I'm sorry, I got disturbed. Let's talk about it later. You know, thank God for the program of recovery and these steps that allowed, uh, you know, the development of emotional maturity, um, that these steps are a series of actions that build character. And, um, you know, I'm just so grateful for that because uh, since my disease reared its head uh, in childhood, I really never uh, learned the skill of having a a feeling (laughs) and being able to process that um, from beginning to end. I always cut it off, you know, by dipping my hand into a cellophane bag or a bakery box. So the program of recovery, you know, allowed this uh, to to happen, um, no longer did I need to be governed by emotions, no longer uh, do I need to be on a roller coaster ride, you know, buckle up, get ready, it's going to be quite a ride, and whoever's on that roller coaster is going to go with me. Uh, Certainly that was my husband, you know, prior to recovery. I mean, I clearly recall, you know, uh, ranting and raving and having, you know, some rage in in my bedroom and my husband, you know, saying to me, uh, this is before recovery, you know, probably 1985 or something like that, you know, when you are ready to act like an adult, I will speak with you. You know, and then he left the room and closed the door and thank God for that. You know, because my, my, the way I behaved, you know, 
the way we behave, we have aggravated the character defects of other people. You know, so thank God this program of recovery um, allows us to be predictable, allows us to be governed by something higher than just my emotion. Because we each get an opportunity through this program to choose the lens through which we perceive reality. And to the extent that I choose the lens of self-centeredness, then I'm going to feel resentment and strife and, you know, fear. But to the extent that I press into these steps and choose the lens of spirituality, then I get to feel love and empathy and harmony and tolerance and cooperation because I get to utilize these steps to process my whole life through that prism. And what an amazing interchange occurs. And so today I am able to live this way. And if I am getting, you know, a little stirred up, you know, I recall, (laughs) because my literature has taught me, that it's a spiritual axiom that every time I am disturbed, no matter what the cause, there's something wrong with me. So I have a responsibility today. The quality of my life is up to me. I no longer have to be a victim. I have a program, I have a solution, but the spiritual life is not a theory, and I'm going to have to live it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And I'd like to move on so we can finish the chapter today. Michelle H., will you pick up the reading where we left off, please? Good morning, Katie G. Thanks for your service. Michelle H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Missouri. It is probably true that you and your husband have been living too much alone, for drinking many times isolates the wife of an alcoholic. Therefore, you probably need fresh interests and a great cause to live for as much as your husband. If you cooperate rather than complain, you will find that his excess enthusiasm will tone down. Both of you will awaken to a new sense of responsibility for others. You, as well as your husband, ought to think of what you can put into life instead of how much you can take out. Inevitably, your lives will be fuller for doing so. You will lose the old life to find one much better. Perhaps your husband will make a fair start on the new basis. But just as things are going beautifully, he dismays you by coming home drunk. If you are satisfied he really wants to get over drinking, you need not be alarmed. Though it is infinitely better that he have no relapse at all, as has been true with many of our men, It is by no means a bad thing in some cases. Your husband will see at once that he must redouble his spiritual activities if he expects to survive. You need not remind him of his spiritual deficiency. He will know of it. Cheer him up and ask him how you can be still more helpful. The slightest sign of fear or intolerance may lessen your husband's chance of recovery. In a weak moment, he may take your dislike of his high-stepping friends as one of those insanely trivial excuses to drink. We never, never try to arrange a man's life so as to shield him from temptation. The slightest disposition on your part to guide his appointments or his affairs so he will not be tempted will be noticed. Make him feel absolutely free to come and go as he likes. This is important. If he gets drunk, don't blame yourself. God has either removed your husband's liquor problem or he has not. If not, it had better be found out right away. Then you and your husband can get right down to fundamentals. 
If a repetition is to be prevented, place the problem, along with everything else, in God's hands. We realize that we have been giving you much direction and advice. We may have seemed to lecture. If that is so, we are sorry, for we ourselves don't always care for people who lecture us. But what we have related is based upon experience, some of it painful. We had to learn these things the hard way. That is why we are anxious that you understand and that you avoid these unnecessary difficulties. And the asterisk takes us to the Fellowship of Al-Anon Family Groups was formed about 13 years after this chapter was written. Though it is entirely separate from Alcoholics Anonymous, it uses the general principles of the AA program as a guide for husbands, wives, relatives, friends, and others close to alcoholics. The foregoing pages, though addressed only to wives, indicate the problems such people may face. Alateen for Teenage Children of Alcoholics is a part of Al-Anon. If there's no Al-Anon listing in your local telephone book, you may obtain further information on Al-Anon Alateen family groups by writing to the World Service Office, and then its address is given. So to you out there who may soon be with us, we say good luck and God bless you. And has has already been spoken, um, yes, this, this chapter to the wives and as it said in the asterisk below, that these are talking about the general principles of the AA program, and it's a guide and can be a guide for all, and specifically talking about wives or um, significant relationships. And uh, there's so much here as far as principles, and I'm just going to hone in on that, that first paragraph, talking about how isolated um, we can become. And um, certainly that was true for me and my disease, and just really isolated in, in this relationship and just looking um, and being so self-centered in this relationship. And if I can look to the first paragraph, the principle that's being demonstrated is to get out of my um, self-centered thinking and start thinking of others. Um, there's a sense of responsibility, not in a codependent way, but in a way of getting out of myself and what can I put and pack into the stream of life? Um, I was always looking to see what I could take out um, of life, and especially what I could take out of this relationship. I was looking to my spouse to be everything. I was very dependent. Um, and it says that, you know, by practicing these principles in this program, specifically, you know, these steps that take me into a place of being other-centered, um, I'm going to lose that old life and I'm going to have a much better one, and my life will be fuller for doing so. And, you know, now my life can be guided by principles instead of before it was guided by my selfish desires, my selfish needs, and by my emotions. You know, it was a roller coaster ride in, in this relationship. And I, I, was, I was one who would blame everyone for all, you know, all my problems. I didn't take responsibility for myself. And... To be able to um, practice these principles, the other principles I'm reminded of is, you know, I'm not going to take other people's inventories and look to their spiritual deficiencies. I'm going to look to my own, and I'm going to look to see, you know, when I am looking at another person's spiritual deficiency, then, you know, I'm, you know, I'm at a risk for developing a resentment, and I need to keep the focus on myself, and to, you know, reminds me of the, the freedom from resentment prayer where I'm reminded to, 
you know, have tolerance of others, patience, compassion, um, because we're all spiritually sick. Um, and to ask God to please help me from and save me from being angry, and how can I be helpful to another person? And that's what changed things for me in my relationship with my spouse. How can I be helpful to my husband? Um, I, you know, in the beginning when my husband retired and I was still working, I had a resentment, and I had an expectation that he should just be doing everything. Um, because, and I had some arrogance of thinking um, that I was contributing more. And I, you know, that was a, I was building a resentment, and it turned around for me um, when I said the resentment prayer, the freedom from resentment prayer, and started showing tolerance and love and patience and started to ask myself, what can I do to be helpful to him? And that changed the relationship. Um, how can I be more generous to my husband instead of just looking for what I need? And it did give me a whole better way of life. My life became fuller. I became less isolated in, in my narrow-minded thinking. And, you know, putting it all in God's hands, uh, you know, no matter what it is, whatever the problem is, placing it in God's hands, pausing, asking God for direction. He, God, today, my higher power, is my director. I no longer look to other people, um, places, or things to to take care of me. Um, I look to see what God, what can I be, what can I do today? What can I give? Um, please show me. And I do have a new way of living, and it's so much better to be other-centered and think of others. And my relationship with my husband has grown and blossomed. Yes, I still slip, um, but I have these principles that guide me today, and I can um, I can pause and pray and, again, say, God, thy will be done. You know, what can I do to be helpful? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle H. And who would like to share? Good morning. Hi, this is Linda. Okay, Linda. Uh, was there anyone else who wanted to share? Kim. Linda Anita J. Anita J. Okay, we'll get started with Linda, Kim, and Anita J. Please go ahead, Linda. Thank you. Good morning. This is Linda, recovered in North Carolina, and so thankful that you're on the line today, and thank you for doing service. Anyway, this, I love this reading, and it's so appropriate for, you know, what I'm going to share. You know, as I was laying in the bed this morning, meditating and praying with my higher power and just, you know, getting ready for my day, the awareness came to me that it, it, I had to go check the time because I was supposed to read the steps this morning. So I ran into the room, and I saw it, it was, you know, 7.05, and I said, oh, my God, oh, my God, I hope I'm not too late. So I called into the vision, and the vision line was busy. I'm calling, and I'm calling, and I'm calling. I couldn't get through. So then I started, you know, with my disease, you know. I, you know, in order for me to have a healthy relationship with God, with myself, and with, my, with others, and especially my spouse, I started to really, you know, like get in touch with, like, how, what was the truth. So I immediately sent Leah a mail, an email saying I was sorry that I was late and I couldn't get on because they were already reading. And then I started saying, oh, you know, oh, I'm just, you know, this is it. I already told Leah that I wasn't going to, you know, read the whole thing. So I'm not going to go on into details. And then I was restored to sanity. And, you know, I wanted to, you know, say I'm really sorry. And sorry is not a board game. I'm going to put this into practice. And next week I'm going to set my alarm earlier. 
But the point I'm trying to make here is that, you know, I could rationalize and be dishonest, and then tonight when I would do my 11th step and write down was I dishonest, I would write all about this. But I needed to clear my side of the slate today, and that will help me be in a better relationship with God, myself, and with the people that I maintain my day with. So I just wanted to share that, that, you know, Honesty is a very important component of my program, and I just wanted to clear my side of the street today. And next week I will set my alarm, and I will be there for the 12 steps. And thank you again for doing service. I appreciate you. Bye. Have a good day. Thank you, Linda. And we'll continue the sharing with Kim. Kim, please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. I'm going to pick out a couple sentences here. It says, we never, never, so I guess if they say never twice, it's important. (laughs) We never, never try to arrange a man's life so as to shield him from temptation. If he gets drunk, don't blame yourself. God has either removed your husband's liver problem or he has not. Get right down to fundamentals. If a repetition is to be prevented, place the problem along with everything else in God's hands. So, you know, we're told back on page 24 that we're beyond human aid. And how many times when I was starting my new diet or even an overeater novel, when I would start my new abstinence, and I would tell my family they had to rearrange their life so I could feel comfortable. I would blame my family when I would go to their family functions that they would serve food that I couldn't have and how dare they. You know, my program was basically arranged on p- other people had to That's arrange a today. Day. Um, can I be heard? Yeah, we can't hear you, Kim. Okay. Um, so I was always looking towards others to control my outside environment, right? So this is what the wives are being told. The wives are being told, you can't control your husband's outside environment. The God has either removed his, your husband's liquor problem and he has not. Because these are gentlemen who have walked through the steps and the wives now are worried that they're going to go back. They're walking on eggshells. They're saying that they can keep their husband sober and they're letting them know that they can't. Where does my sobriety come down to? It comes down to my connection with God, not my connection with other people. And I think this is also a very good lesson for those of us who are sponsors. Because I know for myself, for many years, I tried to control the environments of my sponsees. I told them who they could see, who they could not see, what restaurants they could go to, what restaurants they couldn't go to. Told them what meetings to go to, who their friends should be, because I was trying to shield them from temptation. Yes, we have to protect our absence as we're going through this process. And we were told in the last paragraph, this is accomplished in a few weeks. So we're not supposed to be spending years in the steps. We walk through these steps, get a connection with God, we get connected again with, with our fellows. So what we're doing here is I'm not going to blame myself if one of my sponsees picks up. What I do is I bring them back to the fundamentals it's saying here. So if someone picks up, we can't continue them with the steps. We've got to go back, review steps one, two, and three. Was there something missing in four, wherever they are in the steps? Because what we're trying to do is unblock them from God. The connection should not be with me as the sponsor to keep them sober the way that the wife is being told that the, the, the relationship shouldn't be with them to keep their husband sober. And the fact is, when I put them in God's hands, when I really tell them, this is, this is the lay out that spiritual toolkit, pick it up. You have to pick it up. You have to work these steps. The miracles that I see unfold before me are miraculous, absolutely miraculous. 
So it says once again to get down the fundamentals. It says on page 88 that we are undisciplined, but we let God discipline us in the simple way we just outlined. And what are those outlines? Those outlines are the steps. It keeps coming back to I need to do these steps accidentally so I can get a connection with God. And the people around us need to give us that that space to fall if we're going to fall, that space to, to stumble if we need to stumble, because other people around us are not going to be able to keep us sober. The only thing that's going to be able to keep me sober and absent today is my connection with a higher power. And the only way personally I've been able to get that connection is to walk through these steps, establish that connection, and then keep that connection open by daily working 10 through 12 which in reality is working steps 1 through 12 on a daily basis. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ken. And we will finish up our sharing for today with Anita J. Anita, please press star 1 so we may hear you. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, this is Anita J. Recovered in Massachusetts. And thank you. And um, this is a this whole chapter has been... Um, bringing both of my programs together. It was through OA that I uh, reunited with my alcoholic mother, and that's when I badly realized how badly I needed the other program. And yesterday was a day where all of it came into play, including doing service to others. Everything came together in the dentist's office was the um, hygienist that I've had for 25 years, and I sat down, and I don't know if anyone's ever tried to um, live this program while having your mouth cleaned, your teeth cleaned, but, you know, it was a couple of things that I said. You're a woman of worth and dignity. Um, You can't solve it. You can't control it. You can't cure it. All of the things I've heard in both programs, they're mirrored now. But the irony of it all is because I'm working 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis because I have to now, I never realized I must do this. Otherwise, I will eat again. I will lose the beauty, the wonderful world that I uh, arrived at. I found that with my husband. He tapped into something, and um, I lashed. I lashed the way we can, the way I can. But I left the room. I did a turnaround, again, because I must, and saw that he had tapped into a fear, that what I thought he was saying uh, was tapping into some fear I had as I get older. And... I was able to go back in and apologize and tell him what he had tapped into that he could share on a level. This is unheard of in the marriage. This has been going on now, and um, it's such a gift. It's such a gift. It's like I've landed in another world, and um, well, you know what? I have, and I hope that all of you will keep Keep on this. Keep on this path as I plan to. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with a reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. 
And will Penny C. please read a vision for you? Yes, good morning. This is Penny C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.